Son, and the Spirit. Um, having the Father, the Son, and the Spirit really just inform the way that we think about, about um, just about all things, about our spirituality, about Christianity, about our faith. Um, and so we, we want to do that. We want to continue to do that. I want to talk about God the Father this morning. And to do that, we've got to start off with this phrase here, which I'm sure you guys have all heard of. Wrong way. Daddy issues. Anybody ever heard of daddy issues? Yeah. Uh, what comes to mind when you, hear, when you think about daddy issues? Kids that grow up without daddies, yeah. Absent fathers. Got to get those minds working this morning, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know. For me, the first thing that I thought of, and this is this is probably pretty random and obscure, was the movie Clueless. <laughs> I don't know about Alicia Silverstone, and she's got that daddy who's the the high power lawyer and kind of. Yeah, I was going to show, I just thought maybe we should just show the whole movie this morning, then I was like, eh, I mean. so you go from Clueless and then Daddy Issues, you go to, anybody else got another one? Now that I've, I've, for me, I go from Clueless and then I go straight to Star Wars, right? <laughs> so that's the second Daddy Issues kind of reference. As I was kind of searching Daddy Issues, I ran across this kind of, I thought it was just a silly little drawing but a picture of Kim Jong-un II, daddy, daddy issues. I don't know if that's politically appropriate or not. Um, there is a random Netflix film that I did not watch or really pay attention to, but when you search daddy issues and you kind of look at, at images, this movie, Daddy Issues on Netflix, kind of came up. I have no idea about that movie or what to, to, to think of it, but um, yeah, so there's that film. I would probably either watch Clueless or Star Wars before I'd go watch you know, that one. Uh, the, this kind of concept of daddy issues, um, it comes from, from this particular gentleman, Mr. Sigmund Freud. Um, and Sigmund Freud, it's kind of weird, I have this um, wreath hanging right in my line of sight. So it's, uh, Sigmund Freud uh, uses the phrase father complex, right? So Freud uses this phrase father complex. He derives it kind of strangely from Greek mythology in which this, this particular myth, um, the son romantically loves his mother. I know it's gross, but that's where he, he kind of gets it from there. And then he builds on this concept of the father complex, which then is, is, is daddy issues, right? So Freud's theory, right, this, this father complex was used to kind of further explain insecurities and other impulses that individuals carry to their relationships as adults arising from brokenness with their father, right? And as it's been studied more, sometimes that even kind of um, could, could be parent or lack of parent. Again, daddy issues, it's just the modern day euphemism for father complex. Um, now, what we know about kids, and we have, we have one little, little guy here that last week I wrote you guys a million dollar check. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll uh, use, use him as, as our example. Children need dependable adults in their lives, right? They need them to help them form healthy, secure, 
flourishing relationships. If those relationships aren't formed, if Brooks does not have healthy adults in his lives, what happens is children can down the line avoid relational, uh, um, develop relational avoidance, right? Relational anxiety or these, again, these kind of insecurities that play out later on in life. Here's the catch, right? How many people in this room struggle with daddy issues? Everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for raising your hand, but everyone, we all do, right? We all, at some level, struggle with daddy issues. It doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what culture you come from, what race you are, what era you lived in life. Your relationship with your father, right, or lack thereof, will always have an influence with the way that you approach and deal with adult relationships, right? We can all like it. Yeah, that's, that's probably pretty true. One of the shows that um, my wife and I have watched, and we're not big TV folks, but we do like this show, Ted Lasso, which is kind of a lot about mental health, but a lot about daddy issues, right? And if you've watched this show, you can kind of like, oh yeah, that guy has, uh, Nate has daddy issues, and Ted has daddy issues, and um, Jamie Tart has daddy issues, and I'm trying to think who else. Like, they all have these daddy issues that they're trying to work through, Right? So, no one is immune from this, right? We all, at some level, carry some daddy issues with us. Uh, you want me to share a few of my daddy issues? I'm sure you'd love it. At one point when I was, I was a teenager at some, a, a teenager, I think, and I made a mistake, and I can't even think of what I did, and, and again, I kind of downplay it. It was probably something dumb, or I annoyed my dad, or my dad was just particularly annoyed. And my dad says this to me, he says, he says in a very angry and kind of condescending way, use your head for more than a hat rack. Maybe that's why I became bald, because my head should have been a hat. And I have thought about that, because that's one of those wounds that have carried with me. And I've wondered in my life, as I've, um, as I've maybe overcompensated in chasing um, degrees, right? Collegiate degrees, scholarly degrees, in reading, in trying to be well-read, in trying to um, hold up this perception that I'm intelligent or that I have knowledge. Because I wonder if at some level I'm still trying to use my head for more than a hat rack, right? Just one of those kind of like little moments that dads, um, and you guys know this is like no condemnation on my, you guys know I love my father, great relationship with my father, but it's just, I carry that wound with me, right? Um, Here's another one. You guys know this too. A lot of you guys know my dad too. My dad is all about the church. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church. As a matter of fact, I've thought about this with my dad. I don't know if my dad has any friends outside of the church. What's up, Chad? What you looking for? Oh, getting thirsty back there? I think it's right here. There you go. Uh, I I don't know if my dad has, what did she say? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if my dad has any, re, like, friendships, really. My dad is so heavily involved in the church, so rolled up in the church, and I wonder if as I've grown up and as I've done th- this particular church, as if um, maybe I've been reluctant to give myself fully to the church or to church work or to ministry because of what I saw in my dad. And so I've been like, I've kind of held the church a little bit at bay. I've held the church a little bit loosely because the way I watched my dad church, 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 
right? My dad grew up in a very poor household, single mom, four brothers and sisters, I mean really poor, lived on the border between Mexico and Texas, lived in a small uh, Texas town called Brownsville, like, like no money, no money. And we grew up in a, in a, in a very kind of, I don't want to say poor household, but yeah, poor. I remember one time seeing my dad's monthly paycheck, and this would have been in the 80s, but it was, I think it was $600, $800 for the month, right? Did not make a lot of money. And we did food bank shopping, um, and we did, uh, my, my dad was always real tight-fisted about money. Like if my mom went out and spent and, and went shopping, there would be arguments about money, and he was, she wasn't allowed to, and I wonder if I kind of carry in that same sort of financial insecurity into my life, right? I save all the time. I'm very thrifty. I don't want to buy unless it's a discount. When it comes to Christmas, my predominant question is, well, how much are we going to spend on Christmas this year, right? Like, well, how much are we going to allow for the kids for each? Are they going to get $100 of Christmas presents or what, you know, exactly? So, again, that kind of financial insecurity that, that I carry from my father, right? We all have these father, these, these daddy issues, these father complex, these wounds. So here's what I want us to do. Um, I think this is going to require us just to get up and move around a little bit just so we can be together. But I just want you to spend one minute and, and think about your father for a second. What do you love about your father? And then maybe share a wound that you carry from your father. So maybe just get up, move close to somebody, and just uh, speak uh, you know, a minute or two on those two questions. Um, <clears throat> I want to begin this month, and you know, like I said, we're going to talk this this week, God the Father, next week, Jesus the Son, the following week, the Holy Spirit, as we can, can uh, finish up this Trinity series. I want us to begin really thinking about God the Father this this morning, and when we think about God the Father, this was one of the books that I've been reading on the Trinity by a guy named Michael Reeves, and he says this, and I think this is really important for us to start really just kind of foundationally. He says, since God is before all things a father and not primarily creator or ruler, all his ways are beautifully fatherly. It's not that this God does being father as a day job only to kick back in the evenings as plain old God. It's not that he has a nice this is a, a fun phrase, a nice uh, blob of fatherly icing on top. <laughs> he is father, all the way down. Thus, all that he does, as, all that he does, he does as father. That's who he is. He creates his father, and he rules his father. And that means that the way he rules over creation is most unlike any, is most like the way any other god would rule over creation. God is a father, right? God is a father. And I know we think about that, but we don't really think, sometimes we think it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of like his, like his part-time gig, or he just kind of does it 
when he's done doing other stuff. No, no. Everything that God does comes out of that identity of him being a father, right? Creation, ruling, loving, caring, right? All as a father. Um, when I began looking at this, the, the Bible kind of for, for more of like a biblical paradigm, and I looked into the, I was like, okay, in the Old Testament, let's go to the Old Testament. I was, I was really surprised, and here was, was really surprised because the Bible's always teaching new stuff. I was really surprised to learn that in the Old Testament, God as a father is used, does anybody want to guess how many times? Once. No, nobody wants to. Five. Twenty. Just throw a random. Five thousand. Nobody. I would have thought. This is kind of prices right. You don't know you, Brian. You look like you're ready to jump in on this to make I'm, your. I'm terrible at prices right because I can't test the game. All right. Seven. I mean, you guys kind of, a lot of you guys low. I was really surprised. It's like 10, they say like 10 to 14 times depending on, on your source. I, if you would ask me and said like, hey, how many times has God the Father in the Old Testament? I'm like, oh, dude, that's like the, the dominant paradigm. That's the dominant way God's referred to in the Old Testament. Not 10 to 14, probably 100 to 140, I would have thought. But here's the references in Deuteronomy 32, 6, and Isaiah is kind of like a biological reference. There's kind of this father of a son or a king that happens in Chronicles. Um, and then there's this defending or saving context that you see in, in the Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah. Um, but that's it. 10, again, 10 to 14, depending on what source you use. Now, what surprised me as I moved into the New Testament um, was that the word that we think about, you know, when we think about God as father, Abba, it's only, that's only used three times. Right? I know a lot of times we think about God, Father, oh yeah, Abba, and a lot of sermons are done on Abba, and Abba is this Greek word that, that kind of means like daddy, right? Um, it's, it's a real intimate kind of the, the way that your kids would kind of refer to you as dad, and that's only used three times. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're going to come back to that Romans passage in a little bit, but this kind of more just normal Greek word, pater, is, is the one that's used over, over 24 times. So that's, you know, when you think about these kind of references, God, again, God is father, right? Or the, or the father of, you know, this is the way that it's used throughout the Bible. Um, we don't have time to discuss or analyze all these references. What I want to do is I did a little armchair, a little armchair psychology on, again, some of these daddy issues. What are the themes and, and what are the, the things that come come to mind, the main symptoms that come to the surface, people with daddy issues, because we all got them, right? And then I want us to kind of consider then how God the Father meets, intersects, um, comes to, to the point of those, of those issues, those symptoms. So here's what I want to talk about, and then again, I want to show us how God, our Father, who is all the way down Father, intersects those. Um, Daddy issue symptoms, anxiety when you aren't with your partner, craving obsessive amounts of reassurance, the relationship is okay, also known as DTR, who knows what DTR means? Define the relationship, those deep, heady talks you used to have when you were dating, you got to um, perceiving ne negativity as a sign that the relationship is doomed, 
So I want to talk about those three. I want to talk about the way that our Father, right, intersects, heals, brings light to all these issues. So the first one, anxiety when you aren't with your partner. Um, and again, this, this doesn't have to necessarily be a spouse, but this could be a really close relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a caregiver. There's, there's different uh, relationships that we could talk about. This often stems from an absent father or a parent who's left you. Um, you have kind of an abnormal amount of anxiety, stress, apprehension, even anger when your partner isn't in your presence, right? This is something that people struggle with. And and maybe you did, maybe at some level you still do, right? But this is something, again, that, you know, a wound that that, that we carry, kind of one of the common themes um, in in this father complex and these daddy issues. Uh, Now, when you think about this, this anxiety when you, aren't with your partner or you kind of have this, this, this stress, this apprehension, again, even to, to the levels of anger. One of the things that I would encourage you to do, one of the places that our, our Father meets us, right, I would say is in the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer, right, and we kind of all know this, our Father, it begins, our Father who art in heaven, right, our Father who art in heaven. Um, now, you might think, oh, well, that, that kind of doesn't help me because our Father who are in heaven, that word heaven, the Greek word orainos, which is like heaven is, he's out there somewhere, like beyond the galaxy, the, the stars, the sun, he's in kind of some sort of corner of the universe. He's, he's really far away. I, I, don't, I don't even know where the heavens is. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know if he hears me. My dad, my heavenly Father, he's way out there, right? But what's interesting about the Lord's Prayer, and I even pray this um, myself as I'm praying the Lord's Prayer sometimes, that, again, that word heaven, that Greek word heaven, has a couple different meanings. One could just be the atmosphere, right? This kind of, as you look up the atmosphere above us, the sky. Sometimes this word heaven is even used to, to kind of signify the air we breathe, right? I will pray the Lord's Prayer using that last definition, I will sometimes open up as I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, and usually more just to myself in my own kind of private devotional time. And I'll close my eyes and I'll say, Our Father, you're the very air that I breathe right now. And I'll even take a deep breath. Right? Because sometimes we think our Father who art in heaven, God's busy and he's distant and he's gone and and we don't know where he is. But to think that God is as close as the air I breathe, as the molecules and the atoms that are in my lungs. And you begin to pray this, and maybe you just, you just pray this over and over, almost like, like, a, like a mantra or just something that you just kind of repeat to yourself and you just say, our Father who is in the very air that I breathe. Our Father who is in the very air that I breathe. Our Father who is in the very air that I breathe. And really you just allow that, again, to fill your lungs to fill your spirit, to fill your mind, to fill your heart, to fill all that you are, right? Just think about the way the oxygen comes into your body. It goes through your lungs, into your blood cells. It spreads throughout your whole body, right? 
and you just pray that over your whole body and it just goes into your, in, like, into your spirit and just radiates out from you. Right? Our Father, who art in the very air that I breathe. So, again, daddy issue, if, if you have this, if you have anxiety when you aren't with your partner or if you're not with other people and you just begin to pray the Lord's Prayer. Number two, Craving obsessive amounts of reassurance, the relationship is okay. Also known as the DTR, the defining the relationship. Um, and this kind of comes from a dad. Typically, the, the, the father complex, the daddy issue, he didn't express love, care, concern, either frequently enough or in the right manner. This would be a father who maybe never um, was, maybe was never, Physical in the sense of of hugging, touching, holding hands, being there, right? Maybe his way to express love to you was to give you a high five or to say, good job, you know, hey, way way to go. And maybe your father or this father never really said, I love you. I'm proud of you. I care for you. You know, come here, let me give you a hug. Um, And what happens is when you carry that wound around, then you crave in your adult life what you crave. You want your partner to tell you, that they love you, they care about you, they'll meet your needs. Sometimes this even happens where it needs to be displayed publicly, right? Where they need to like say, oh, publicly. Um, when I think about this, again, where I think that Jesus intersects with this. Um, we watched on Wednesday night when we watched the Chosen series, we watched this beautiful, intimate image of Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. There's that, that kind of midnight meeting between Jesus and Nicodemus, this, this Pharisee, right? And they, they kind of get together and meet. And Jesus gives him this phrase as they, they're talking about, um, as they're talking about uh, the kingdom and about all these things. And Jesus says, I tell you, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, right? Unless they are born again. And what happens is, is when you're born again, when Jesus says you've got to be born of spirit and of water, when you're born again, you actually get a new dad, right? You are adopted into the family of God. Now, let me quote Charles Spurgeon, who, man, this, this thing, I almost, this was one of those kind of almost fall out of your seat kind of moments. It's a little bit of a long quote. It's, it's, it's a two-pager. So hang with me, all right? It's a two-pager. And this is what we're going to read here. But Spurgeon talks about this passage, and he talks about what it's like to have God as a father, to be adopted into this, the way that Jesus talks about us being adopted into the family, being born again. Eli was sneaking around the corner looking for trouble. Okay, Spurgeon says this. He says, when the Spirit of God makes us feel that we are sons or daughters, right? and we live in the house of God forever, then the service of God is sweet and easy, and we will accept the delay of a parent's success as a part of the trial we are called to bear. Then he says this, now this will have great effect upon the outside world. A body of Christians performing religion as a task, groaning along the ways of godliness, with faces full of misery, like slaves who dread the lash, can have but a small effect upon the sinners around them. 
they, the sinners, say, these people serve, no doubt, a hard master. And they are denying themselves this and that. But why should we be like them? Right? Then Spurgeon says this, and he compares, you know, Christians who kind of just serve this taskmaster. And he says, but Christians who realize that they have a father. But bring me a church made up of the children of God, a company of men and women whose faces shine with their heavenly father's smile, who are accustomed to take their cares and cast them on the father as, ch- as children should, who know they are accepted and beloved and are perfectly content with the great father's will. He says this, he says, put them down in a company of ungodly ones. And I will warrant you, they, the ungodly, will begin to envy them, their peace and joy. Thus, happy saints become the most efficient operators upon the minds of the unsaved. And he closed with this little benediction. O blessed spirit of God, let us all now feel that we are the children of the great father. And let our childlike love be warm this morning so that so shall we be fit to go forth and proclaim the Lord's love to the prodigals who are in the far off land among the swine, right? Romans, again, I said we come back to this passage because, again, when we really understand our role as adopted into the family, right? Paul says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery. When you became a Christian, when you gave your life to the Lord, you don't become a slave leading you to fear, but you receive a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, then heirs, namely heirs of God, also fellow heirs with Christ, right? We have that reassurance. We have that, we have that knowledge that we are children of the most loving being in the entire universe, right? That's why we started off. The Trinity is based in love. He's kind of falling apart there, huh? Does he have a Dorito shirt on, by the way? Is that what I saw? Ah, uh, oh, I thought I said Doritos. Brooks, are you okay? He just—we love that guy. We were so happy he's in here. Um. Lastly. <laughs> he does love waving. Can you see me up here? Yeah, we love having him in here. Um, lastly, uh, perceiving negativity as a sign that the relationship is doomed. So again, this, this might be from a critical father, you know, that, that kind of, you know, again, my dad wasn't critical, but that, that wound that I shared, you use your head for more than a hat rack, you know, maybe you had a critical father, a parent that was always informing you of your mistakes, pointing out your shortcomings. Uh, you had that funny phrase, a dumb head, you know, your, your dad called everyone a dumb head. You know, maybe you had a father that just kind of um, would, would just kind of criticize you or put you down or point out your mistakes or tell you're not doing good enough. And you have this, this sense of inadequacy, 
right? And then you carry that into these into relationships so that anytime somebody's negative towards you, you're thinking to yourself, oh man, this is it. This is the end. Relationship's going to fall apart, right? Um, I've shared this before, and I will say this is, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I was able to connect this straight to a daddy issue. It could be. I mean, all, all our issues are, in essence, our daddy issues. One of, my, um, one, of my, one of my inappropriate ways that I think about God, one of the ways that I think about God that is very unhealthy, is I will inappropriately or, yeah, I, I, I connect, like, like, sin with some sort of doom and gloom. Let me give you a couple examples. I know I've, I've shared this before. Here's a silly one. Imagine Mark invites me over to dinner for his house on Friday night, and I'm like, I do not want to go to his house for dinner on Friday night. And so instead of saying, Mark, hey, I don't want to come to your house for dinner on Friday night, I just say, you know, Mark, I'm sorry, I can't go to your house. I'm actually taking all my kids to the zoo on Friday night. I, I, can't, I can't come, sorry. And I, it's just one of those little white lies to kind of get me out of it so he doesn't feel bad that I don't want to go to his house on Friday night. But I just... I just tell a lie, right? People do this. People just tell these little white lies. And I'm just thinking like, whew, okay, he's not going to, he won't know, right? Um, and then I tell this little white lie. And then on Saturday morning, I go for a bike ride and I get a flat tire. And I think to myself, well, there it is. I told Mark a lie and God gave me a flat tire. I mean, that's, that's just kind of my punishment for my sin, right? So, and I, again, that's a silly example. But this is sometimes the way that my mind works. Like I play this mental game where there's a little bit of negativity, right? A little bit of sin in my life. And then I think to myself, mm, God's up there waiting to smash me, right? Um, you know, maybe kind of a, a more rele- uh, relevant example would be you're at the beach, fellas, and there's a girl walking. Here he comes. You're at the beach and there's a girl walking by and she's in a bikini and you look for 2.7 seconds and you, you know that that's, oh, that's 0.7 seconds longer than is going to be allowed. What's going to happen next? Am I going to fall in some sort of sand pit and twist my ankle or what's going to, and, and I'll, I do this in my mind. And again, I, I know that this is the wrong way to think about God. And I know that this has been, again, kind of a, a personal struggle for me that I, I, I inappropriately connect some sort of negativity, some sort of sin with some sort of doom and gloom, right? That God is just up there ready to smash me. Um, And really, when I think about what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, this kind of sermon as I was preparing it, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit speaks this to you too, as we think about those sorts of mistakes and negativity that, that comes along and we think like, oh man, God, I'm going to sin, and, and then you're going you're gonna to smash me. You know, one of the Old Testament references of God as Father in Isaiah is this one. So, so powerful for me to really think about this. Is Isaiah says this. He says, Eternal One, you are our Father. We are just clay, and you are the potter. We are the product of your creative action, shaped and formed into something that's of worth, right? And I began really kind of meditating on this the last couple of days, and this has been kind of a powerful image to think that when I make a mistake, and I, when I say I, I will include all of us in this room because I think that we all make mistakes. I think, I'm not sure about all you guys, but I know myself personally. When we sin, when we blow it, right? 
And again, maybe you do this. Maybe you think like, oh man, I did this. This is going to happen. Something bad's going to happen down here. Something terrible. Um, maybe you think about, like here's just kind of a, an image of, of, of potter working clay. All those little imperfections that need to be worked out by the potter, right? When the potter comes across an imperfection in the clay or, or a mistake, he doesn't take the lump of clay and throw it off the wheel. He doesn't take the lump of clay and smash it just so he can start all over again. He just keeps working and working and working. And then I love how this, this paraphrase uh, translated it shaped and formed into something that's of worth, right? That's what God's doing in our lives, shaping us and forming us into something that's of worth. And so if that's you, if, if there's that kind of perceived negativity, you know, again, maybe you get this from your father, maybe you kind of, I'm assuming I get this from my father at some point, um, that God's just ready to, to find out. And once he finds out, then I'm going to really get it. Maybe you kind of close your eyes and you say, okay, Father, you're shaping me. You're forming me into something that's of worth. I'll be patient with that. I'll let you do the work. Um, So I think that's about all I have this morning. I have have one other thing that, you know, (laughs) my last daddy issue. Are you ready for my last daddy issue? My dad is like the sermon illustration master. Like a sermon is not complete unless he's given you 10 illustrations and told you the meaning for every illustration. So I thought in honor of my dad, I will, I will, I will choose a semi-cheesy, which, but I found it uh, also kind of fun, uh, semi-cheesy sermon illustration, and then we'll close with, with, with a verse from last week. So here's the sermon illustration. There is a bank president who is about to retire uh, and the young cashier is going to be his replacement. So the young man, this guy who's about to become the bank president, goes into the office and he says, you know, hey, I'm going to take over this job. I could use any advice. I'd be so grateful for advice, wisdom, insight into how I can do this, this job well. And so the bank president says, son, you know, again, he kind of thinks, son, sit down. And he says, uh, I got two words for you. Right decisions. And so the, the young kid says, well, how do, I, how do I go about making right decisions? And the bank president follows up by saying, I have one word for you, experience. And the young kid says, well, again, um, how do I go about gaining experience? And then the bank president says, two words, wrong decisions. I thought it was like, I was like, oh, okay, I can deal with that one. I can kind of... <laughs> But I was thinking about this, again, this silly little uh, sermon illustration somewhere. My dad's probably like, oh, Eric. <laughs> and, you know, we used this verse last week uh, with uh, 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, right? That, that is with us. The, the Holy Spirit is with us, shaping us, working us all the wrong decisions that we make all the experience that we gain. Um, at one point, maybe when we're like 96, like Lupe, we'll be able to make some right decisions. But we, in the meantime, just continue to trust that God is still working in our lives. All the imperfections, all the mistakes, all the hang-ups, 
uh, and we just trust that he's still working and that he is with us all. So I think that's about all I got for this morning. Let me close this in a word of prayer and then a couple discussion questions. Um, Lord, I, I know that I was preparing this sermon this week and thinking about these thoughts. Uh, I know that you are speaking to me. Um, my heart is that you're speaking to my brothers and sisters that are sitting here, those watching uh, online. Uh, you're speaking even to the little kids. Um, that's what we need. We need to hear your voice. We need that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that it's with us. Your love is present in our hearts, your grace. Um, and we trust that. We really trust that. So thank you, Lord, for um, thank you, Lord, for just meeting us here this morning. Father, again, speak to us. Speak to us the way that you would speak to your, to your little children, to, to your adopted children. Whatever we need to hear this morning. We pray these things again in the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe you kind of want to go back to those, those kind of first two questions about your father. What do you love and what wounds? When you think about God as father, what images come to mind? Uh, what thoughts, feelings, just maybe that kind of initial, like when you think about God as father, what, what comes to mind? Was there a verse or a quote, maybe a part of a quote that stood out to you this morning? And then did you identify with any of the daddy issue symptoms kind of we talked about this morning? Maybe anxiety when you're not with your partner. Uh, that kind of craving obsessive amounts of reassurance that the relationship is okay. Perceiving negativity as a sign the relationship is doomed. Again, maybe what did the Father speak to you? What did, what did the Father, the Holy Spirit, speak to you about that? So just spend a minute or two on, on those questions, and then we'll, we'll have a chance for, for some group discussion. Yeah, just kind of follow the, it'll kind of wind you back there.